In 2014, we all heard this. The United States of America is changing its relationship with the people of Cuba. But Cubans heard something else. A closing door, an end to their special status, and the race was on. How a 90-mile journey by sea became a 3,000-mile trip by land. Find Radio Ambulante on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Aaron Mankey can chart his love of creepy tales back to his fifth grade classroom. There's a couple key memories, one of them being sent home with a copy of one of those Scholastic Readers Club catalogs with the, the, the thin newsprint and the color printing and all the books that you could buy. And in the pages of one of those in fifth grade was a book that was, I don't remember the name of the title, but it was essentially weird and unusual tales that were supposed to be true. So Mankey ordered the book and devoured it. And that was a moment of fascination with me, that that you could tell these stories that were equally um, factual, but at the same time sitting on the edge of, well, how can that be true? It's it's so bizarre. Then in the fall of that year, Menke's teacher assigned the class a project. My teacher wanted us to work on our handwriting um, and asked us to write a short story about something Halloween related. And so I took that love that I had discovered for these weird tales and wove it into storytelling for the first time that year, and, and it, it stuck. Now, Menke writes creepy stories for a living. He's the host and creator of Lore, a podcast featuring dark and disturbing historical tales. One person's irrational obsession can lead to a much darker outcome, especially if you're a witch. I'm Aaron Menke, and this is Lore. How's it hanging? I'm Lauren Pumpkins, and I'm going to scare the hell out of you. I'm David Pumpkins, man! Okay, yeah, yeah. Just kidding. I'm Lauren Ober, and this is The Big Listen from WAMU and NPR. Each week on The Big Listen, we invite you to open your ears to some of the great stories being told in the wide world of audio today. And maybe, just maybe, we help you find some new things to listen to. And this week on the show, we're digging into the macabre, the sinister, and the slightly disturbing. Why? Because it's Halloween, and that means it's time to get your fright on. (coughs) Now, when Aaron Menke was a kid, he had no idea what his future held, but he had a goal. We lived about an hour from the mall, and I remember my mom and a friend taking me and her daughter to the mall one weekend day. And I I had a notepad and a pencil with me. And I remember looking at the girl, Cindy, and saying, I'm going to be a writer when I grow up. And sure enough, that's what he did. Menke's childhood love of writing creepy tales stuck with him into his adult years. In my spare time, I was always writing. And for the last few years before launching Lore, I had been writing kind of Stephen King-ish supernatural thrillers, you know, stories of normal people in our normal world that bump into unnatural or supernatural things. While researching his stories, Mikey collected a lot of historical material that he didn't end up using. You know, cutting room floor kind of stuff. So he figured he'd make the leftovers into a series of audiobooks to help attract new readers to his self-published stories. And I did one of them, sent it to a buddy of mine with very similar tastes, And uh, I told him my plan. Here's my grand marketing scheme to sell my books. Should I do it? And he said, no, don't do it. Uh, (laughs) I I thanked him for his honesty. And then he said, well, this is a podcast. And thus began Lore. Within just a few months, the podcast became a hit and Mankey quit his day job. Then the TV studios began calling and Mankey answered. We'll hear more in a bit about Lore's foray into television. But first, we're going to explore another horror show that came about on a whim. 
The No Sleep podcast began as a kernel of an idea on Reddit. That's the discussion website where you can find forums or subreddits on every conceivable topic, from cooking tips to flying saucers. One of those subreddits was called No Sleep, and it featured loads of original scary stories written by Reddit users. A few years ago, one of the users suggested turning the contributed stories into a podcast. This is a horror storytelling podcast. Our tales are dark and disturbing, intended to shake you up. Listen at your own risk. We are all around you. And tonight, there will be no sleep. Brace yourself for the No Sleep Podcast. Or maybe if you're a wimp like me, just don't listen. You know what I mean? David Cummings is that menacing voice behind the podcast. He volunteered to host and produce the show. And now, being spooky, is his full-time gig. David Cummings, host and producer of the No Sleep Podcast. Welcome to The Big Listen. Thank you, Lauren. Genuine pleasure to be here. So so you have been doing voice acting. Was it was it specifically um, sort of in this genre? Because I feel like... You do have that kind of voice uh, that that works for stories like this. Right. And I think that that's a part of the appeal, I suppose, because, yeah, people would hear my voice. And if I sort of affected it a little bit more, I could kind of sound creepy <laughs> and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think I, I think I was encouraged by multiple people to consider not just voice work, but that it, it does kind of lean towards horror. So, yeah, it was kind of a perfect marriage that way. <laughs> okay, so I don't have that voice, but let's say I wanted to. Like, how... Give me some tips on how I could have the horror story narrator voice. I think horror lends itself to being more sort of slow, uh, slow burn. So you you can talk a little quieter, maybe a little deeper... And you keep a deliberate pace and you sort of build the tension when it needs to be built. And as you do that, it really allows the listener to kind of join into the story, join into the atmosphere. So it would be like if I read uh, the beginning of, of one of your episodes on this week's show, we have six tales about family fears post-mortem perceptions, and hellish homicides. Would that work? Would that work at all? <laughs> it, it does work, definitely. Um, I, it's not, I've it's not always... scary. It's, it's, not, it's, not really, it's not really sending chills down your spine, is it? <laughs> well, of, of course, one of the, the strange things, not to be sexist, but when you're talking about a woman's voice who is sort of low and breathy, it, it almost has that sort of erotic feel I to know, it. I know. Uh... It's not scary. It's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. So oh, I guess w- women have a, a bit of a hurdle to overcome there. <laughs> so what I'm interested in is this subreddit and how uh, the No Sleep subreddit and how, you know, people were just, and my understanding is that people just posted their own work. Do you have a sense of sort of how big um, the subreddit was, how many people were using it, how many people were posting stories? Yes, back in the early days of the subreddit, right around the time the podcast was getting off the ground, it was quite small. I think there was less than 10,000 subscribers or 10,000 people who would sort of actively be a part of the community. That doesn't mean they were all writers. They were mostly readers. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, that has just grown steadily. And I believe today the the subreddit has over 10 million subscribers. Oh my gosh. The No Sleep subreddit is probably the internet's largest repository of original short horror stories. Like You're it, it's grown to that level. Huh. Do you remember what the first story was from the subreddit that you adapted? I do. It is a story called The Stairs and the Doorway. To this day, it's still people remark on that particular story. It was basically about a young man who was uh, working as a security guard in a college. On his rounds one day, he finds a strange door. The door was smaller than a normal door, maybe five feet tall, painted in the same non-color, drab, gray-brown of the walls, and was made of metal, just like the other doors in the basement. I went over to the door and touched the handle. I think the body knows sometimes when things are wrong. Have you ever had that feeling like you're being watched? When you know you're totally alone and nobody can see you, but you feel eyes on you? Have you ever gone left instead of right because you got a feeling that you just shouldn't go to the right today? It didn't work that way for me. When I touched that doorknob, nothing felt any different. My head didn't hurt, my neck hairs didn't stand up, and I didn't hear an inner voice saying, Don't do it. The doorknob turned, but the door wouldn't open. So so for your money as a guy who listens to tons and tons and tons of these horror stories, what what really makes a good horror story? What is really uh, what are some of the the ingredients that are, are really gonna drive something home and just sort of stick with people? I think the most effective story creates a certain relatable atmosphere. And then it starts to slightly switch off of normal. It, it sort of takes a, a slight turn where you take normal life and you just make it askew just a little bit. A little background. When I was really young, like four or five, my dad and I lived in a cheap apartment on the ground floor. I don't remember much about it. I know I didn't like it there. The kids weren't nice to play with. They'd steal my toys. It was just a, you know, a grimy area. But we were having tough times, and it was all we could afford. Probably what I remember most about the place was how I would get woken up. Not every night, but just randomly. These flashing lights would wake me up. I don't remember being too worried about it at first. I just assumed it was you know, lots of lightning in that area, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was five. I didn't know jack about meteorology. One night, my dad had my uncle and his wife over for crab leg dinner. I remember it distinctly because it was the first time I'd ever eaten crab. Now, while they were talking, I just casually mentioned the lightning the night before. There wasn't no lightning last night. Well, I thought he was clowning around, so I laughed and told him how the flashing lights woke me up. Well, he and my uncle got serious. That freaked me out. Because they were always silly when they... It's that sort of dissonance of it's not normal... It should be normal, but it's not. And that I think that evokes a real sense of, of unsettledness. It's disturbing. And the audience is drawn in and they want to figure out why is this not normal? Why is it just a little bit askew? Do you think that horror stories tell us anything about ourselves or, or that our interest in horror stories tells us something about uh, sort of our human experience? I think what makes horror so effective is that it's it's a safe way to experience fear. 
Mm-hmm. And horror is really, some might argue this, but I think horror is the only genre whose goal is to elicit a negative emotion or mm. something that we we try to avoid. We all want to laugh at a comedy. We all want to swoon at a romance or cheer the hero in an action story. But with horror, we're saying, I want you to make me fearful. I'm going to be terrified and then shut the movie off or the podcast off and say, ah, I'm safe. The world's going on. It's all fine. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's what's so powerful is that fear is a, is a very valid and very powerful emotion. And so to be able to experience that in a safe setting and in a entertaining way is, uh, is something that draws a lot of people to it. Well, uh, David Cummings, host of the No Sleep podcast. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us and um, sharing some, um, you know, creepiness. Oh, my pleasure. It's always fun to talk horror. David Cummings is the host and producer of the No Sleep Podcast from Creative Reason Media and the Paragon Collective. To find out more about the show, check out biglisten.org. Now, remember our pal Aaron Menke from the top of the show? He's the creator of the Lore Podcast, which got its start from the leftover guts of his self-published spooky stories. Pretty quickly, Lore shot to the top of the podcast charts. And naturally, TV producers came sniffing around. They wanted to take Mankey's audio stories and turn them visual. And just in time for Halloween, Lore, the anthology series, dropped on Amazon Prime Video. The Asylum. A place for people in need. Built with the best intentions to ease the anguish of the insane. But the mental institution is home to our worst nightmares. Hell on Earth, where we set horror stories. That's a clip from a lore TV episode called Echoes, all about ice pick lobotomies. Now, if you have a stomach for implements getting hammered into eye sockets, then you should totally check it out. Obviously, going from a podcast to television meant that the storytelling mechanism had to change a bit. Moving from a 25-minute you know, audio story to this hour-long visual format that's sort of a mix of you know, scripted actors on a screen playing out a scene, broken up by documentary segments and animation segments, and my voice doing narration throughout parts of it, making that transition, I, I had to learn a lot you know, about... The, about what you what constitutes a story for the visual um, canvas as opposed to what I do through the podcast. Maggie says picking which stories to feature as a part of the Amazon series was a little tough. So one of the challenges was going through all the episodes that existed and finding the ones that actually had an A story, they call it, you know, like the story that can really fill the space and then all of the other pieces are um, contextual elements that support it. Maggie had some industry big shots helping him pick the stories, though. Executive producers of both The Walking Dead and The X-Files signed on to produce the lore series. At this point, Maggie spent so much time with his stories that they don't really creep him out anymore. Except for one. Unboxed, the story of Robert the Doll. There's something about old dolls that's creepy to a lot of people, just like clowns. Those glass eyes almost seem like they're staring right back at us. Which is something we can blame our brains for. They're hardwired to recognize faces. 
but it doesn't always work out. There's a concept in psychology known as the uncanny valley, where our minds instinctively reject human lookalikes that are almost, but not quite, perfectly accurate. It has a way of setting off alarms within our basic instincts. Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. Dolls are 100% the stuff of nightmares. Well, we're going to take a much-needed break right now to calm our nerves and set all of our dolls on fire. But when we come back, we'll talk with storyteller extraordinaire Glenn Washington about what makes a good Halloween tale. I saw a ghost is not enough. I want your life to change. I want your expectations to change. And I want you to interact with whatever this is over a period of time. But first, we'll talk about the origins of audio horror stories with one of Old Time Radio's biggest fans. You, the listener, you create the sets, you create the lighting, you create the costumes. You really do the casting in a lot of ways because you hear the voices, but you imagine what these people look like. As a result, if it's horrifying, you, in your own mind, make it as horrifying as you can imagine. And, And I think that's why it's so successful. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is NPR. I'm Liz from Ashburn, Virginia, and I absolutely love the black tape. Well, you have degrees in religion and psychology. Did you study the paranormal, parapsychology? They don't offer degrees in those subjects. Why not? As soon as you apply scientific method to the paranormal, it vanishes. And it's sister podcast, Tanis. After Parsons and Hubbard allegedly failed to summon the goddess Babylon to Earth, and after Hubbard again allegedly made off with Parsons' life savings and his wife, Parsons continued his work in rocketry until his controversial death in 1952. The police ruled it accidental, but people who knew Parsons at the time of his death suspected assassination. It's very much like if NPR did a deep dive into the paranormal and things get very, very real very, very quickly. Thanks! Hey, pals, welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and I'd like to put you on the radio. Do you have a subtly supernatural podcast to share? Well, let us know at 202-885-POD1. Scary! Eek! Back before television, there were hundreds of radio dramas, from Gunsmoke to Dragnet. One of the most popular genres of old-time radio, a.k.a. old-timey radio, was suspense. Families would literally gather around the old console radio to be creeped out together, sometimes with the lights off to make it extra ominous. Hideous things come out of the darkness to prowl the tortured earth. Evil hands stretch forth to seize. Evil eyes are watching. Unholy voices whisper and quarrel in the fearful silence. Death stalks. Loathsome, horrible death. Dare you put out your lights and listen to Boris Karloff and the story of horror in the deepening darkness? Dare you listen to... Lights out! This Halloween, we figured we'd take a look at some of the most bone-chilling shows from the Golden Age of Radio. Our guide today will be Murray Horwitz. In addition to being an Emmy, a Grammy, and a Tony winner, he's also the host of a show all about 
OTR, or Old Time Radio, called The Big Broadcast. Murray Horowitz, welcome to The Big Listen. Thank you. What a thrill to be with you. You seem thrilled. I am. <laughs> As they used to say, we're together again for the first time. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So uh, so for folks who haven't heard The Big Broadcast, give us a little scooplet of what it is. The, the Big Broadcast has been on WMU 88.5, our home station, mm-hmm. for over 50 years. So The Big Broadcast broadcasts old-time radio. Yeah. Can I call it old-timey? Yeah, no, no. You should call it old-time. We need to tell the listener that OTR is, oh. is that's the acronym that's for old-time like radio. into OTR. Yeah. and you hear that all okay. the time. And you say, this is an OTR <laughs> podcast. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the street, right, people right, right, are just right. like, OTR, and I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> totally, now totally. You're in the know. Old-time radio. But, but like, do... what is what is old-time radio, or the, or shows from the golden age yeah, of Yeah, the golden radio. age of radio, the, gold, the old-time radio to us at the, the big broadcast can be pretty much anything that's like 15, 20 years ago and earlier. Right. The golden age of radio lasted from roughly the late, very late 1920s to the very early 1960s. And it was so popular then because we didn't have TV. Literally, the family would gather around the radio and it was appointment listening. Oh my gosh, it's 830. We've got to listen to Fibber McGee and Molly, you know. I don't want to Date you here, but when you were a kid, <laughs> did you listen to? Yes, I radio? remember the end of the golden age of radio. No, no, it's, it, and, and it's great in a way to have a foot in in that. I, full disclosure, I was born in 1949, and what happens is when I'll play an episode of Suspense, you mm-hmm. know, or or Jack Benny from. 1949, and I'll say, oh, my God, this year I was born. You know? When you were a kid, did you remember listening to the the spookier shows, the sort of, you know, the the, the suspenseful or the, the creepy shows? Because there seemed to be a lot of those shows back then. There was, in fact, a very famous series ultimately produced by a genius named Arch Obler called Lights Out. And mm-hmm. they would tell you, turn out the lights. Oh. You know? And they did a lot with sound. Um, it is so terrifying when you're in a dark room and you hear this stuff going on. I mean, it's, it's, it's still scary today. I'm wondering why you think these types of shows, the genre, this horror genre, were so popular. You know, there's a phrase that when you work in OTR, um, you hear a lot and you use a lot, which is theater of the mind. Mm-hmm. In old-time radio... You, the listener, you create the sets, you create the lighting, you create the costumes. You really do the casting in a lot of ways because you hear the voices, but you imagine what these people look like. As a result, if it's horrifying, you, in your own mind, make it as horrifying as you can imagine. And and I think that's why it's so successful. So uh, so should we listen to some of these together? Yes, let's yeah? do it. Um, so one of the ones that you mentioned, one of the shows that you mentioned was Suspense, which uh, which over the years had tons of famous people on it. Henry Fonda, Judy Garland, even The Gipper. Right. Ronald it's Reagan true. was Ronald on Reagan it. Did radio. Um, also, uh, Orson Welles was on it, who yep. we will hear from in this clip right now. My name is Ronald Adams. I'm 36 years of age. Unmarried, tall, dark, with a black mustache. I drive a 1940 Buick, license number 6Y175189. I was born in Brooklyn. All this I know. I know that I'm at this moment perfectly sane. That it's not me who's gone mad. It's something else. Something utterly beyond my control. I've got to speak quickly. At any minute, the link may break. 
This may be the last thing I ever tell on Earth. The last night I ever see the stars. It's so just, dramatic. Yeah, well, he's just, it's dramatic, but it's evocative. I mean, yeah. he's just, he's, you know this guy. I yeah. mean, how long was that clip? Like 30 seconds? Yeah. I don't know. And and you go, oh my gosh, you know, I, I'm so concerned for this man. Ronald. I'm worried. <laughs> What's it's, wrong, Ron? Yeah, I remember that episode. That's that, and it's a scary episode. Right, it's The Hitchhiker yep. featuring Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He keeps, as I recall, he keeps encountering the same hitchhiker yeah. who drives thousands of miles and then the guy shows up again. You yeah. Know? So another show from that era that was perhaps not so well known um, was called The Weird Circle and it only ran for a couple of years but what it did was it adapted stories from well-known authors um, and made them into these radio stories. So here's a clip we'll listen to from The Telltale Heart from Edgar Allan Poe. Listen. My senses sharpen. Every second makes them sharper. I can hear the rhythmic beating of the old man's heart. The beating of his heart. Beating out his last breath. His last breath. His last breath. Do you know death is outside your door, Uncle? Death is waiting, Uncle. Waiting. The door of your room opens gently, Uncle. Very gently, Uncle. Careful, the plant. Careful, careful. Listen. Listen. The heart. The beating of the old man's heart. Wow. (laughs) You know, Lauren, you know this, because those of us who work in radio know this very well, but there's this story of the 10-year-old kid who loved the radio and People asked her, gee, most kids your age watch TV. Why do you like radio? She said, the pictures are better. <laughs> and, and I mean, think of the pictures. You know, the door opens, death standing outside. Right, you right. imagine death standing outside. Right, right. Yeah. No, it, I remember first hearing that story in maybe like my seventh grade English class. Right. And I don't know which one I listened to, but it's it stuck with me because it was like so intense, you know, because really what it is, is is somebody sort of wrestling with madness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. Also, I think what's incredible about it is the pacing of mm-hmm. the of the actor. It works because it's like, it's so drawn out. Right, right. They were masters of tempo. <laughs> what is amazing to me is that there you are live in 1938 or 1946 and you know, there's the clock on the wall and you got to be out by 59 minutes after the hour mm-hmm. or 29 minutes after whenever it was. And what if you've got six pages to go in the script, which happened all the time? And, and they, they did it. They well, Part of it's rehearsal. I mean, right. part of it was. But like good musicians, they knew what the tempo had to be. And right. they once they had it, they had it. They right. were able to replicate it. So one of the campier, I would say campier horror shows was Inner Sanctum. And you have this this narrator who's sort of this melodramatic Raymond. ghoul Raymond. <laughs> but the but this the stories were actually genuinely creepy. Let's let's hear a clip from that. There was another car, a coupe parked at the pump, but there was nobody in it. And I didn't see any attendant around either. I pressed the horn button. No one answered. Everything seemed so quiet and suddenly ominous. I found myself shivering. I had a curious feeling that someone was watching me. I had to get away from there. Fast. Oh, oh the star 
Carter wouldn't work again. Oh, it won't start again. Oh, it won't start. Oh, it won't start. <laughs> That's amazing. There's so much going on there, but yeah. you don't think of it because you're just listening and you're right. so compelled. But when you think about it, they've got reverb on her voice. Mm-hmm. Like they got the organ going in the background right. so that when she honks the horn, it, you really startled right. by that. And then when actually the kind of corny sound effect of the car not starting, but you, as it builds and 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 her voice builds in vo- builds in volume, and you've got her performance, of course, going on. You really you feel her terror when she says she started shivering. You can feel her shiver. Yeah, uh-huh. and we should say that is um, that is a clip from Terror by Night, which features Agnes Moorhead, who mm-hmm. was in a ton of these, and was in Orson Welles' original Mercury Theater Company and Mercury right. Theater on the Air. Right, the show Inner Sanctum that we were just talking about has this iconic opening, mm-hmm. right? Where the creaking door. The creaking door, like the door is clearly opening farther than 90 right, degrees right, right, right. in that. I don't know if I can do that one, but it's something like... <laughs> Colgate Tooth Powder presents Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. <laughs> this is your host, Raymond, inviting you in through the squeaking door. It's the squeaking door, not the creaking door. I got it wrong. Well, I mean, it's it's doing something. It's making a <laughs> You know what it reminds me of? It's like when you're in the movie theater and you have one piece of candy and you don't want to make it too loud when you're opening right. it and you just do so it very, very slowly, slowly but really it would just and like you turn next to me and say would you please just open the right. candy and it's like just right. open the door quickly right. it won't creak like that well the but... idea is that it's so old and so seldom opened right that even if you that it's heavy now you can find a lot of these old time radio shows uh, in podcast land if I would like to be further creeped out <laughs> uh, do you have any recommendations for where I could go to hear these I do there are many dozens dozens of dozens of free Old Time Radio, OTR podcasts to which you can subscribe. And they are usually divided into genre. And there's horror mm-hmm. and there's thriller and there's westerns and there's comedy and that sort of thing. And even specific shows. So I'm sure, yeah. I haven't looked into it, but I'm sure there is an Inner Sanctum you can. only yep. podcast. That right? is correct. But there is a really comprehensive OTR uh, horror site and it's radio horror hosts one word dot com. <laughs> and it's, as long as you can spell radio and horror and hosts, you're in business. Um, How'd they ever come up with that name? You know, they were given the rest of the day off when they did. <laughs> radio horror hosts dot com. So if you want to get the suspenses and the inner sanctums and the lights outs, you can get them at that yeah. site. What's great is. Th- a lot of people, when they take long-distance drives, will say, oh, you know, I got books on tape and I've got, you know, War and Peace, and that's going to take me across Kansas, you know. And I say, you know, man, you should get some old-time radio because unlike books on tape, they were written for the ear. Right. They are produced for the ear, 
and they're much more engaging to me. Whereas a book like War and Peace was written for the re- for the eye, right? Right. And so it's some person reading this book. It's a very very different dynamic and a very different mechanism in your mind than something that was written and produced for you to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have an old timey radio host horror voice that you can? <laughs> I've never sort tried it before, but it send us out on, you know, just like have a happy Halloween <laughs> and don't let the creaking door hit you on the way I'm trying to, think to of what the dungeon. No, I think one of the the scariest thing I can think of, which is there's another election next year. <laughs> you like that? Really? Yeah. It's terrifying your audience. I'm just. I'm shaking right now. I'm quivering. (laughs) Murray Horwitz is the host of The Big Broadcast. To find out more about his show or any of the old-timey radio suspense shows he mentioned, hit up biglisten.org. It's time for another speedy break, but when we come back, we'll hear from public radio raconteur Glenn Washington about believing in the supernatural. I think belief in in everything has kind of been leached from me. But at the same time, I've seen some things that I can't explain. That's coming up next. Stay put. If you dare. (laughs) This is NPR. Hey, I want to recommend another NPR podcast to you, Embedded, hosted by Kelly McEvers. Right now, they're digging into the business records of the president and some of the people closest to him. Hear how one California golf course, one Manhattan skyscraper, no, not Trump Tower, and one political documentary that only opened in 15 theaters can teach us important lessons about the most politically powerful people in the world today. Find Embedded now in the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Lauren, this is Stacy from Knoxville, Tennessee. My favorite podcast right now is Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve. You know how we've talked on this show about uh, narcotics, where you have a long-acting narcotic and then a short-acting breakthrough rescue dose? It's the same thing for insulin. You've got long-acting insulin and then short-acting uh, uh, rescue uh, insulin in case your sugar gets too high. Same thing with constipation, the long act. He's got a call-in number where you can leave medical questions. He reiterates a whole lot that he is not your medical doctor and to seek professional advice and everything, but it's also strange questions that people ask. and They actually call up and leave questions for him to answer on the air. Some questions are strange. Thank you. Goodbye. Hey, pals, welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and if you're like Stacy from Nashville and you have a particularly weird podcast you're binging on, don't lock it up in a dungeon. Let it out into the light on the pod line. The number is 202-885-POD1. I'll be waiting. (laughs) Glenn Washington is a master storyteller. He's been weaving yarns and sharing other people's stories on the show Snap Judgment for years. And in that time... Washington has heard some doozies, stories of cursed families and shadowy figures and the twin terrors of my life, possessed dolls and zombie clowns. And they are all real. And my cousin held the door open 
And as soon as she opened the door, that's when we saw him. We saw him sitting there. He was sitting in a chair looking toward the wall. He was wearing a gray jumpsuit. And he was wearing what I think was a, was a mask, a clown mask. He, he, was, he had a bald head with hair on the sides like a clown. Opaque, white, wasn't makeup, it wasn't a, it wasn't a mask. That skin was too, too real. And I suddenly realized what clown that was. That was the actual clown that my brother was laughing at. Just in time for Halloween, the Snap Judgment team bundled their favorite true-life supernatural stories into a new series called Spooked, hosted by Washington. Glenn Washington, welcome to The Big Listen. Thank you so much for having me. I wish I could have taken a picture of my face when I was listening to a lot of these stories and then sent it to you because it was just like the picture of abject terror. Yeah. I feel like my neighbors would, if they saw me walking the dog and listening, would be like, what's wrong with her face? Because I don't do very well with scary stories, but you seem to be really into them. Is that true? I'm into stories that stretch my understanding of the universe. Mm -hmm. Some of them are scary. Scary, scary. Some of them are just like, they just make you think. Because with Spook, what we're trying to do is you have, you know, this very rational, smart, intelligent audience who doesn't believe in any nonsense. But at the same time, these stories are being told by people whom you don't, they're not lying. Right. So there's this dichotomy there. But I'm interested. So you, I know you grew up in a, a religious household, and I wonder if you feel like there's some, you know, correlation between that, like religiosity and believing in ghost stories. Because I, I'm not religious at all, and I try to find every practical explanation for phenomena, and I find it hard to then say, oh no, those are that's a spirit. I, I, I think there's no question that people who believe believe, but that's why I love about the show is that I don't want on Spook to have a bunch of like hippie wearing, um, amulet holding, bare feet, tree people calling on the spirits as the storytellers. Right. I, I would rather have an actual skeptic. Right. Someone who doesn't believe, someone who's, who's looking for that alternate explanation. Mm -hmm. And someone who oftentimes are a little bit ashamed of telling you this story, but it's got to come out in some kind of way. Right. That's right. the perfect spook storyteller. Even though they say this happened, they still sometimes, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, this happened to me, but I just don't know. Mm -hmm. It's great. Yeah, I feel like the, one of those storytellers was a, um, the fellow who had been a, a Border Patrol agent, and he said, there are so many stories that have happened in in my time doing this that I just cannot talk about because people would think that I was nuts. What he actually saw was some creature come up out of the Otai River, and it walked upright like a man. He said, but had the largest heat signature Jeb had ever seen on the night vision scope. The creature was right behind them, and it dwarfed them both. Estimated it probably 10 feet. I heard one guy say maybe 12 feet. This was very much like what happened to us at the creek in that it was invisible to their naked eye. It was only visible to the scope. I never brought the subject up for quite a while after that. I never talked to Jeb. 
I was a trainee. Trainees did not go up and talk to supervisors, and I never dared question what he saw that night. As time went on, over the next few years, I began to hear several more stories. These stories involved both agents and people crossing illegally. In every sighting, this beast would chase either the people or would chase the agents and could have easily caught them, but never did. It's like he chased them to scare them off and then gave up the chase. And there would be no, no sign found, no footprints, no sign of the creature whatsoever. When you have a position like that, this guy, he's a Border Patrol agent, a, a, a former Border Patrol agent. He can't have himself busy telling these stories that are going to diminish his position, but he's got to tell them anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. Mm-hmm. Are you at all superstitious or do you uh, think when things go bump in the night that they are not just, you know, something that could be explained away? Um, I am the biggest skeptic out there. Uh-huh. I think belief in, in everything has kind of been leached from me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I've seen some things that I can't explain. Is there a particular thing that you've witnessed that that comes to mind for you that was one of those that you just cannot explain rationally? I tell this story um, because it it did at the time. It just creeped me out. I believe I was 15 years old and I was just, you know, minding my own business with some of my friends Mm -hmm. going down to a local mall. And there was this woman and she was dressed, you know, kind of funky. Um, She was sitting down and, you know, she had the thick makeup on and all this stuff. And I just saw her. I didn't pay any attention to her. And then she started calling my name. (laughs) Glenn. He's like, Glenn. And I was like, uh-huh. And this is a woman who I'd never seen before in my life. Yeah. And then she started telling me about my family members, which was a nice trick until she started saying names that nobody knew. My grandmother's first maiden name. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the name that my grandfather told me that he used to be called as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, an uncle who was gone. Mm-hmm who had passed away, stuff that literally family members of mine would not have known. Right. And she's, she's saying this stuff, and she's looking at me, and it's this malevolent gaze. She said she had some things that she wanted to share with me, and I just remember thinking, oh, hell no. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting, I've seen this movie before. I know it how it goes well, yeah. down. <laughs> I'm exactly. getting the, I'm getting the heck up out of this piece, and I ran like I had never run before. I I feel like I'd run away, but then you know, sort of curiosity would get the best of me, and I'd like creep back and be like, so, "Yeah, so what do you want to talk about?" But then I would, then it would it would go badly from there. But have, did you ever regret walking away or Not running for away? A minute, <laughs> Not for an instant. So you're braver than I am. I have never. No. No, I I'm wasn't dumber. Have, That's the thing. I'm dumber. <laughs> I wasn't trying to have any of that nonsense. Nah. Are there any stories that really made your skin crawl that you thought, oh, gosh, no, that's that's too much? 
a lot of them make my skin crawl. I mean, that's whenever that happens, I want to put that on the air at once. Mm-hmm. And a story that we just aired, uh, a friend in the forest. It's an Irish story about um, a little boy finding an imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. And this story just still scares the bejesus out of me. That's why I love it so much. Gregory had disappeared the night before. The cops didn't find him until the next morning, miles away from home, in the thick of the woods. Gregory said he'd been playing hide-and-seek with Thomas, and that Thomas was still nearby. But the cops found no trace of the boy. Well, except for one thing. When they got back to Gregory's house, they searched the area outside his window. And they discover two sets of footprints. The the guard, Harry, showed me a photograph of one of the sets of footprints with some measuring tape beside it for scale. One set of footprints was larger than the other, but they both clearly belonged to children. My heart dropped because I thought, oh my gosh, Thomas is real. And, And that really frightened me. No, that story of all of the ones that have aired is like is going to be in my my nightmares tonight and tomorrow night <laughs> like that store I was I was listening to it and just think no no I was saying things out loud and you listen to it and you don't think do you think he's lying do you think he's making it up it it doesn't seem like it to me and I do this all for a living right so I um so I I dig it when you're when you are looking for um like a really good scary story or a story that involves something sort of paranormal or supernatural like what are the components that you're looking for what what makes something really pop for you i saw a ghost is not enough i mm-hmm. want your life to change i want your expectations to change and i want you to interact with whatever this is over a period of time mm-hmm. And when you ask someone, what are your ghost stories? What are your supernatural stories? You get all sorts of things that come out from people, someone's culture, someone's family, someone's relationship. We're talking about, you know, these stories are stand-ins for a lot of that stuff. Right. Um, you know, they really are. Like, what? Uh, how do you deal with loss? How do you deal with the loss of a loved one? How do you deal with a very, very real fear? How do you deal with letting your child go? Mm-hmm. These are all, all these things come up when we ask someone about their ghost. I, it's just so, for lack of a better word, it's just so human. Glenn Washington is the host of Spooked and Snap Judgment from WNYC Studios. To find out more about any of the scary stories he mentioned, check out BigListen.org. Want to listen to The Big Listen on the go? Well, you can. Just go to Apple Podcasts or NPR One or any fine purveyor podcast and hit subscribe. Then... All the little ghosts in your devices will make sure you have an episode every week and you won't have to lift a finger. Also, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Here Big Listen. That's H-E-A-R Big Listen. We are almost as much fun as a dog in a costume. If you dress up as a podcast for Halloween, please, please, please email us a picture at biglisten at WAMU.org. 
The show today was produced by Daisy Rosario, Ponce Ruch, and Abby Holtzman. Jake Cherry mixed the show. I, Lauren Ober, was busy assembling my Ed Sheeran Halloween costume. Didn't take much time, actually. David Schulman composed the theme music. Other music in the show came from Army Navy, the band, not the store. Special thanks to Timmy Olmsted and Al Reynolds for always giving us a boost. The Big Listen is the brainchild of boss lady Andy McDaniel and her boss man, J.J. Yor, and is produced by WAMU and distributed by NPR in Washington, D.C., zombie capital of America. And now a few final words from Aaron Mankey, creator of Lore. His podcast series about nightmarish true life stories was recently turned into an anthology series on Amazon Prime Video. And a trilogy of illustrated books called The World of Lore is also on the horizon. But why is there so much interest in these types of tales? In moments where we put ourselves in a place where we can be frightened, we actually start to feel emotions again and we feel connected to some event or whatever it is. And I think there's also that you know, hearkening back to the, the idea of the shadows being chased out of our modern world. I think we, we long for those shadows and there's something attractive about having fuzzy edges to our world where there are unknown things. And I don't know that life is easier with every answer neatly buttoned up. And I think we go looking for ways to smear the, the truth a little bit, smear reality so it's a little bit more fuzzy and, and blurry. And that's what these scary stories help us do. And really, our love of horror and suspense and things that go bump in the night comes down to one thing for Mankey. There is something about being scared that helps people feel alive. And that's a whole heck of a lot better than being undead. Thanks for listening, pals. Till next time, keep haunting, America. This is Spooky Scary NPR. <laughs> <laughs>